0: Welcome to Panhandle Sports Live, the premier home for all things sport in the Eastern Panhandle.
1: He's across midfield. He's into the open field. Touchdown Martinsburg. On the first play from scrimmage for Washington has put six points on the board from 88 yards out.
0: Hear from the coaches and players that make the Eastern Panhandle the place for sports in the state of West Virginia.
2: This kid, he's got silver bullets. And it's a two-possession lead for the Applemen. Gets a high snap. Robinson trying to get to the outside. Makes a chip move. Gets to the inside. Keyshawn Robinson. Touchdown, Cougars.
0: Be a part of the conversation on today's show by texting at 304-263-4321. The
1: throw not in time. Hedgesville scoring to Charleston. He's down the sideline. Touchdown, Aiden Kane. Touchdown, drive. Oh, my goodness. Three to shoot. Runner in the lane. It's in. Shepard
3: wins. Shepard wins at the buzzer. The Spring Mills Cardinals, 18-0 to finish the regular season.
0: Now, live from the Hoppy Kerchival Building in historic Martinsburg, get your popcorn ready. Panhandle Sports Live is on the air.
3: Well... <clears throat> they let us get the Friday again, and I'm sick again. What's up? It's Panhandle Sports Live. Welcome into the Hoppy Kirchhoff building. It's Luke Wiggs, Daniel Woods hanging out with you. Looking to talk uh, all local area, high school, college, professional sports over the next hour or so. We'd love for you to get your opinions on everything we're about to talk about today. 304-263-4321 is our text line. As I mentioned, Luke and Daniel here. Daniel, I hate to break it to you. Parker Stone said a couple of days ago that he was going uh, for milk and cigarettes. I don't think he's coming back. I do not think he's coming back. Well, I guess we just got to become famous professional athletes now. <laughs> I'm just That'll kidding. Get his he's attention. he's uh, feeling a little under the weather. He'll be back, I'm sure, early next week. Uh, the same to be said for Marsh Kovalec as well. You know, things get a little seasonal here in radio. Uh, we, we're not immune. We are just regular people just like you all. I put on my pants one leg at a time just like the average man. Um, so we're, we're not guess immune. because I'm not the to... average man. What do you, jump in? Will you hold him open and jump in? Uh, The alternative to that is something we probably shouldn't talk about on the radio. So we've got a lot to talk about on today's show. We've got some high school basketball returning to our airwaves tonight uh, where Daniel Woods will have the call. And I promise if you see him at the arena, he will be wearing pants. Uh, so we'll talk about that a little bit later on in the show. Uh, we'll also talk about the Shepherd basketball that's happening this weekend. WVU, all that good stuff. And here's what's cool. Because of the text line, 304-263-4321, and because we're suckers for engagement, anything that you guys want us to talk about, we will talk about Within reason, crowdsourcing. Within reason, all right. You know, we're not going to get too crazy with it. We'll this... get into the weeds on Jurgen Klopp leaving Liverpool. <laughs> I was going to say, keep it on the sports side of things. You know, I don't know. I don't think you want to hear us get political. I don't think anybody wants that. Uh, but you can always let us know what you want us to talk about. Three zero four two six three four three two one. As I mentioned, we want to talk about local high school basketball. I got the opportunity for the first time this season last night. Uh, to take in Berkeley Springs basketball where the Tribe picked up their third victory this season. That's now two wins over the last three games for Chad Brenninger and Berkeley Springs as they were able to defeat and avenge a loss against Southern Fulton uh, a little bit earlier in the season. It was a game where Berkeley Springs really wanted to establish their interior presence. Holden Gerson and Dakota Hamrick for much of the first half were jockeying for positioning. Uh, and then there was just kind of a light bulb moment where Berkeley Springs was able to get those entry passes through it helped that land and see Trump goes for 20 points and hits five threes in this game. Um, but Holden Gerson really started to flip a switch and the Tribe were able to outlast Southern Fulton and win that game 48-40. to So as you could have heard it on Cool 92.9, uh, formerly WXDC out there in Berkeley Springs, let's listen to some of the key baskets of the fourth quarter before we hear the postgame thoughts of Tribe head coach Chad Brenniger, because, again, Berkeley Springs now 3-8. and eight. Not the most impressive record you'd have to say, but this team is getting better on a game-to-game basis They've won two of their last three, including the victory last night. So let's hear a couple of the key buckets and then Coach Brenninger's thoughts after the game. He flashes a grin at Sheiky and extends a fist in the air. we got a play on. They lob it in for Sheiky. Sheiky's able to go up and finish over Stotler. Again, they've got the mismatch against the much shorter Stotler. They've been trying to take advantage of it, they finally do, and Jake Sheiki finds his first two points of the game. Berkeley Springs leads 32-30. Takes the handoff to Alaba, lost it underneath the basket, is picked up by Houdershelt. Houdershelt's in no-man's land, he throws it to Schicke in the corner. Sheiki back to Houdershelt, left alone, he finishes! Houdershelt was triple-teamed when he threw it out to Schicke, and all three of those defenders evacuated. And Gerson... Gives it out to Sheiky now, left wing. Shiki takes it into the paint. Shiki with the right hand, can't finish. Gerson got it back, and he tied the game. Pressure here as Berkeley Springs is able to get it across the timeline. All the way to the rim. Up and in, holds Gerson. Putting Berkeley Springs on his back. These last two possessions, the Tribe lead is four. Dribbles a couple of times with the right hand. Fires away, no good. Rebound. Offensively put up and in by the Tribe. Dakota hammer it. The Tribe victorious tonight, 48-40 to 40 over Southern Fulton. We're now joined by Berkeley Springs Indian head basketball coach Chad Brenniger. And, Coach, uh, as you go back and look at this game, your backcourt uh, does a lot of big things for you tonight. Landon hits a ton of key shots. And then Jake Alibov, the freshman, comes in, only has the one point, but filled in for Isaiah Hutchinson, who had the foul trouble. So you stick with the freshman. He gave you some key minutes down the stretch.
1: Yeah, yeah, I thought those guys did a really good job. I thought they did a great job defensively. You know, we come in with a game plan. We wanted to put pressure on the guards. And, you know, do a lot of face guarding tonight, and I thought they did a fantastic job with that. And, you know, I thought they, they did. They, we was more patient on the offense, and we was making the extra passes. And once we established an inside game, it opened up for the landing especially, you know, um, to get some easier opportunities.
3: Well, you mentioned that inside game coach, and like you said, struggled early on with Hamrick and Gerson, trying to get the positioning. Yeah. some of those entry passes, not the cleanest, but when you needed to most, you got some buckets from them down the stretch. Yeah,
1: we did, and, uh, you know, this is a good win for our program. We've been trying to find ourselves all the way up this season, and, uh, you know, we, just, we watch a lot of film, and, and, and the kids are buying into it, and, you know, we, we needed to, they needed this, you know, just for confidence, and, and. You know they've been getting better every day yeah. i'm happy with what i'm seeing i know the record may not reflect that but again you know it comes sectional time uh, <laughs> we're, we're going to be a little different team if we keep working hard like we do
3: absolutely well you mentioned the schedule that's now two wins over your last three like you said yeah. got off to a little bit of a slower start uh the biggest improvement that you see from this club what has it been and and like you said what does this mean momentum wise going into the I back think, of the schedule
1: you know what I, I think it's just a mental game um you know we, we play a monster schedule to start the season and you know, kids could could just quit right there, and they have it. Um, you know, they want it. They understand how they got beat, and they want to get better, and they want to be that team. You know, so I, I think our mental game and, and our unselfishness. Uh, there's times early in the season, you know, we just weren't fluent on offense and taking bad shots. And again, in the last couple of games, you know, Frankfurt beat us the other night, but I was very happy with the way we played because we've seen improvement. You know, it just wasn't the same
3: stuff. So. Absolutely. Well, Coach, congratulations on the win. Sounds like you need a couple of cop drops and a good night's yeah. sleep. But, uh, <laughs> hey, thank thank hey, you very much, Coach. sir. Thank you. So that was Chad Brenniger in the victory yesterday for Berkeley Springs against Southern Fulton. Again, um, this is a tribe team that's different when they're able to hit some outside shots. It opens things up in the middle they got a lot of players that really know exactly what they want to do offensively. Jake Sheik, only has the two points that you heard there were the only two that he scored all game. But he keeps the ball moving. Jake Alivo came in and gave them some great minutes as a freshman. And he's one of a couple of freshmen that came in and got minutes. Uh, Stotler, another one. Brendan Hoover. So, Berkeley Springs also has some pieces long-term that I'm excited about. But it brings me to this point, Daniel, because you've seen a lot of high school basketball and a lot of teams that start the season in a lot of different ways. How often have you seen it? It's not unprecedented because it seems as though there's a team every year that fits this description. Get off to a really slow start. Berkeley Springs lost their first five games because they're trying to figure out what their identity is. Lost a couple of key pieces a season ago. Are we going to play through our bigs? Are we going to be more balanced? How well are we going to be able to shoot the ball? And then you answer those questions as the regular season is going on. All of a sudden, you're in the month of January. You've won two of your last three. Yes, you're below 500, but the beauty of the playoff picture in high school sports in West Virginia is everybody makes the playoffs. So at some point, once you get off to a slow start, yes, you're not going to be the number one team in your section anymore, and it's all about doing what you need to do in the regular season to get yourself prepared to play those sectional games, and I think that's what Berkeley Springs is trying to do.
2: Absolutely right, and uh, really with a team like this, that record probably isn't going to be that impressive early in the season because you're still figuring out – who the key players are going to be, who is going to step into those voids left behind by guys that have moved on. And I think it's it's a testament to the, the coaching, and I think it's a testament to the fact that there is talent in the program that you're in a position late in January where you're playing the best basketball you've played all year. You know, if you start one and seven, it's really easy to just throw in the towel and say, ah, man, uh, most of us are back We'll get them next year and just kind of go through the motions the rest of the way. But, you know, Chad Brenniger's kept this team together. There's a, an expectation that there's going to be improvement, and you've started to see that played out now over the last couple of weeks.
3: So for Berkeley Springs, as we mentioned, you can catch Tribe basketball all season long on Cool 92.9. Appreciate Parker Stone. Let me fill in for him yesterday. Got to call that Tribe victory. Uh, they've got games upcoming on the horizon, uh, most notably coming up on the 29th against Fort Hill. They go to Frankfurt, to Kaiser, to Hampshire. Uh, so they're staying in their section in their region for a tough stretch of games in the regular season to test their medal against some of the same teams that they're going to be playing in the playoffs. We're going to go ahead and get to our first break. As always, like I said, you can text us, 304-263-4321. Here's a texture that wants us to tackle the real issues. Does Kelsey propose to Tay-Tay at the Super Bowl? No. No. <laughs> we wonder, got a ways to go on that. I wonder if there's a... Wow, well, shout out to, to to Relationship Counselor Daniel Woods. He needs to earn her trust first. Uh, I wonder if that's a prop you can bet on that. What color is the Gatorade going to be over under on the anthem? Does Travis Kelsey we to? we got to do a list? bunch of Super Bowl props oh, we on will. the show. Believe me, we will. We've got the, the degenerate himself, Parker Stone. He's, he's probably been plotting what color the Gatorade is going to be since last year's Super Bowl. So we absolutely will do a segment on that when the time comes. And, of course, we've got... Um, more NFL playoff games coming up this weekend. We'll talk about that a little bit later on in the show. Break to take when we return. We're going to talk about tonight's high school boys basketball game because it may be the battle for second place in the EPAC, at least as it stands in the month of January. And again, your texts are always appreciated. 304-263-4321. We're back after this. It's Panhandle Sports Live.
0: Want to revisit an episode of Panhandle Sports Live? Follow the Panhandle News Network on Spotify today.
3: Welcome back, keeping the conversation alive here at Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kerchville building here in Martinsburg. As always, your text are appreciated, 304-263-4321. Daniel Woods, high school boys basketball again, taking center stage on the Panhandle News Network tonight at 7.30. We certainly got ourselves a big one.
2: Uh, We do. Jefferson and Martinsburg really, at this point, battling it out uh, to see who's going to be that challenger Uh, for Spring Mills as we come down the stretch of the season. These are two teams that crossed paths earlier in the year. Martinsburg uh, picked up the win in that game, but that was a A Jefferson team that was without three starters. Uh, Jamari Jenkins has returned. Kylan Johnson has returned and then once again left the lineup. Uh, And Quentin Goins has been out for an extended period of time. So uh, we'll see if those guys are able to take the floor tonight. Uh, But it's certainly a Martinsburg team that's going to be hungry coming off of a big loss to Morgantown earlier in the week. Uh, And Jefferson, Uh, took took a 20-point loss to to Spring Mills on the same night. So these are a couple of teams that uh, are going to want to get back on track, and I I know with the coaches that are in charge of these two teams, they're going to seriously be motivated to make something happen.
3: You know, we got some time to talk about the Spring Mills-Jefferson game, but you really dive into it. I think a player that really impressed me from a Jefferson standpoint, it was difficult when Jefferson struggled through much of that game uh, and only got up over 40 points, Was it's an obvious thing to say, but Jaden Gladney has been averaging 17 points in the absence of Jamari Jenkins. Did some things creating his shot that really nobody else, including Jamari Jenkins, was able to do in the game against Spring Mills. Jamari Jenkins was able to get fouled, but a lot. the only person that really was able to say, "Hey, you know, I'm going to hit a step back, you know, pull up in transition, get to the rim when I need to," was Gladney. And I think there are at times a season ago where I felt, you know, he was only scratching the surface of what he was capable of doing, and he had an opportunity to, to sandbox it with Jamari Jenkins out. And I've been really impressed with him. And tonight, I mean, it's going to be a very guard-oriented game. You could make the argument that Gladney is the best guard on the floor, though, again, Jenkins continues to get healthy. But Martinsburg's got a trio of guards that also play at a pretty high level, and I think that's where the game is going to be decided tonight uh, with the, the guards that we see tonight between the two teams.
2: I agree. And I think another thing that we're going to have to keep an eye out on is exactly how Jefferson's able to defend the rim in this game because we saw them struggle with that against Spring Mills. We saw... Jared Wilberger and Wyatt Shively get into foul trouble early in that game. Richard Lewis have to move some pieces around on the inside. And you mentioned those three guards, and it's Keyshawn Cheek, Josiah King, uh, and Chase Shipley. And those are all guys that are just going to go, go, go right at the rim. So you're going to have to have guys for Jefferson that are ready to defend the rim in legal guarding position and not get in a bunch of foul trouble. And frankly, with the athleticism that those guys have going to the rim, There is not really a shot blocker on the inside for this Jefferson team, so you're going to have to have guys prepared. Don't try to block every shot when these guys come down the lane because you're just going to pick up fouls. Uh, So I think it is going to come down probably to the guards in this game, Uh, but if Martinsburg can open the floor up, get out and run a little bit more, uh, and these are two teams that like to press a little bit too, uh, I think whoever wins in the open floor uh, more than anything is going to be the team that walks out of there with a win tonight.
3: Well, and keep this in mind as well. You know, we're starting to get to the point where everything's really starting to get locked in from a talent standpoint. I mean, we're, what, a month away from the regional or the sectional and regional play beginning here uh, across the Mountain State. These are games, obviously, that have significant appointment, uh, importance anytime you play a conference matchup, but especially now in January, especially for these two teams, because like you said, it's the last time they're going to see each other, and then until again, presumably a matchup in the postseason.
2: Uh, there's a very strong possibility these teams could play each other to go to Charleston, and when it comes down to that, uh, you have to be able to understand what the team across from you is trying to do. You have to be able to understand what you can do to attack their weaknesses, and that's what a game like today uh, provides you the opportunity to do. And, and we've talked about it over and over and over again. How important it is to have home court advantage in the postseason this year because there is so much parity in Region Two. So it, I think whoever wins this game is going to be in a stronger position. I mean, you look at uh, what what Jefferson's doing uh, in their section, and uh, you know Musselman is still competitive. Uh, they haven't played head-to-head yet. There's a chance uh, that if if Musselman beats you head-to-head, you're not going to be the number one seed. So you've got to be able to go out there and play a team like Martinsburg and prove that you have the ability to play with some of the better teams in the state. For Martinsburg, you need to have the opportunity to set yourself as a clear-cut number two in your section so you don't have to go to Hedgesville. To start the postseason. So uh, these are all very important games. Still a month out from from sectional play starting. These are all very important games when it comes to setting yourself up for success in the postseason, both in the the seedings, but as well as preparing to see these teams uh when it's winter go home.
3: Well, that's not the only basketball that's coming up this weekend on the Pain Handle News Network. Like I mentioned, we've got Shepherd coming up this weekend with the women playing at one and the men at three on Saturday. But the Mountaineers are also in action in games that have significant implication for both the men's and women's basketball teams on Saturday too. Daniel, it's as simple as this: Oklahoma State has not won a conference game yet. If WVU loses this game, then you know it's it's pack it up, boys. Yeah, have a good one.
2: <laughs> Pretty much, uh, and this Oklahoma State team is not good. Um, so you gotta you gotta show up. It's it's plain and simple. You gotta show up because. Uh, you, you you showed up for two ranked teams so far uh, outside of Houston in Big 12 play, and you beat them. And the other Big 12 games you played, you didn't show up at all, and you lost all three of those. So you come in against an Oklahoma State team, and it's weird to say that a 7-12 and West Virginia team has been playing down to the level of its opponents, uh, but it kind of feels like that, at least with the Oklahoma loss uh, and, and with the UCF loss. So... You have to go out and just have it between the ears that you're the better team on the floor. And, uh, you know, I think uh, from what I understand, there was a lot of confidence within that program for both the Kansas and Texas games that they were going to be able to compete uh, with both of those teams. And then they went out and beat them. Uh, You've got to be able to do that for an Oklahoma State team that's hovering around 500. You can't just get psyched up for the big ones. You've got to be able to go out and and win the games that you're supposed to win and then you want to make the tournament with 12 losses in the middle of january or well almost the end of january at this point you want to make the tournament when you've got 12 losses and we're not even into february yet then you go out and win the games you're not supposed to uh but you've got to you've got to settle in and win a game that you're supposed to or, or like you said it's just time to pack it in
3: Boundary women's basketball team takes on Iowa State. WVU ranked number twenty-four. Iowa State a spot above them in the Big Twelve, um, but WVU can change that with a Saturday home game. Your thoughts on this game? WVU sixteen and two overall. Iowa State twelve and six, but in conference play, uh, they're a win better six and two to WVU's five and two. Although Iowa State, after getting off to a pretty hot start in women's hoops, are coming off of uh, two consecutive losses, losing to Kansas. Um, by just a couple of points and then losing by eight to Texas tech. So some of your thoughts for the Mountaineers, these are the kind of games that in the past, um, frankly, over previous regimes, WVU mid table, big 12 team taking on another big 12 team in the Coliseum on a Saturday, come out of the gate, drop the ball and let points or an opportunity to move up in the conference standings, get away. Uh, And this is a characteristic that Mark Kellogg obviously wants to avoid. I know, Adi Crooks for Iowa State is going to present a challenge uh, for WVU in terms of what they're doing in the interior. But, uh, again, this is when WVU has an opportunity to take a step up and say we're no longer a perennial 6th or 7th place finisher in the Big 12. We want to be one of the top teams.
2: Yeah, and this is one that I think WVU is going to come out fired up for because, uh, I mean, they this team went up to Ames a couple of weeks ago and was up 17 points in the third quarter and let it slip through their fingers. And uh, really, you mentioned Audie Crooks and the the turning point in that game was in the second half. Iowa State uh, pretty much just said, you know, we're going to get a paint touch with Audie Crooks on every single possession. And that's that's where WVU's weakness is. And I think no one is going to tell you that it's not uh, that the, the weakness for West Virginia is uh, in the paint. And it's not to say that there's bad players on the inside for WVU, but you don't really have. Uh, just a true post defender on this team. Kylie Blackston is a a player that's going to spread the floor a little bit more for you, get out and run in transition. Uh, Tavi Diggs is really more of a a skilled offensive player uh, who is not necessarily someone that you're looking at to, you know, get in there on the glass and and bang around. So uh, with this team, You have to be prepared for Crooks. You have to have that game planned, and I trust that Mark Kellogg is going to, but I think this team is going to come out ready to play uh, in this game against Iowa State. He has talked extensively about what that loss did for this team uh, mentally and how that kind of got them straightened back out after a little bit of a slow start to Big 12 play. And, you know, you've lost two games, and it's a one-and-two start to Big 12 play that you're calling a slow start, but... Uh, I think it's a lot has been said about this West Virginia team, particularly improving off of that loss to Ohio State or excuse me, Iowa State. And I think this is an opportunity for them to truly avenge that. And I think they're going to come out motivated for it.
3: Well, we'll be back here on Monday to break it all down, all the weekend's activities in college and high school basketball. We've got a break to take because I know a lot of people are going to have a heavy interest invested in these NFL Conference Championship games that are coming up this weekend. We'll talk about those on the other side of the break. This is Panhandle Sports Live.
1: Because a man is always capable. Make sure he understands the moment because a man always understands the moment. And you know what else a man does? What? He says, give me my theme music.
3: You're listening to Panhandle Sports Live. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live. Luke Wiggs and Daniel Woods with you here in the Hoppy Kirchhoff building. Very fitting. little D on there as we talk a little NFL football coming up this weekend. We turn our attention to the championship games to be played in each conference this weekend. And uh, Daniel Woods, let's go ahead and start in the AFC. These are two quarterbacks that... Have coexisted in the league for a while, and Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson have yet to play each other in a playoff game. In the regular season, Patrick Mahomes is three and one against Lamar, and uh, despite that fact, I believe that it is Baltimore that has opened up his favorites. They have have opened up as four point favorites in this game. You know some of your thoughts for Kansas City defensively. We've talked about uh, at nauseum how much better this team is defensively than chief teams of old. But keep this in mind. Steve Spagnuolo, nobody else in the NFL has allowed more rushing touchdowns to a quarterback since 2019 than the Kansas City Chiefs. So I'm intrigued. I think I would also stand in favor of the the homestanding Ravens hosting that championship game. But some of your thoughts in terms of what to look out for in this matchup.
2: I think really this game is going to come down to the defenses. And I think this is a Baltimore defense that is so much more dynamic than it's been the last couple of years, uh, just because you've got guys that can cover so much ground on this team uh, at all three levels. Uh, And then you look across at Kansas city and it's just disruptive. It's disruptive, disruptive, disruptive uh, with, with Chris Jones getting to the backfield, George Karloftis, uh, the guys at the second level with Nick Bolton as well. Uh, So, I think it's going to come down to which defense can stand up stronger. And in my opinion, that's Baltimore. Uh, it, it's going to come down to which defense is is able to take away what the other team is trying to do. And I think Baltimore is just a more consistent defense at that second level, at least in my opinion. And uh, when I look at what the Ravens did last week uh, against Houston, the Lamar Jackson did not have to do a lot through the air. But. Doggone it. He ran for 100 yards, and I think this is a Kansas City defense that is not necessarily built to stop uh, Lamar Jackson in the ground game. You said it. The the most rushing touchdowns allowed to a quarterback since 2019, uh, but I think more than that, uh, the the way that this defense is constructed is just not necessarily in a position to where they're going to be prepared to chase Lamar Jackson around all day. Uh, the, the guys that you have up front are not necessarily those quick twitch defensive linemen that are going to come off the edge and be able to contain it's you know interior pressure from a guy like Chris Jones uh, at the second level uh, you know Nick Bolton uh, Willie Gay those guys are quality run stuffers uh, but at a certain point Lamar is going to get to the outside and just run past those guys uh, so I don't think Kansas City's going to have a problem getting beat over the top but Baltimore doesn't have to beat you over the top uh, so I think the quarterback run game is going to be incredibly important for Baltimore in this game on the other side for Kansas City I just I have not been sold on this offense this year I get it they're in the AFC championship game but there's just been such inconsistency uh, that it's hard for me to get behind uh, this Kansas City offense getting it done against an elite defense uh, when it comes to to the biggest stage And they're going to have to set the tone. I think with Isaiah Pacheco, they're going to have to be able to run the ball. And that's a really tough thing to do against Baltimore is set that as your foundation.
3: It's incredible to think that Kansas city has made it to six straight AFC championship games. I was looking for that stat. I believe it's since 2011 that this is the last time we haven't had an AFC championship game. That does not include Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady. Unfortunately, I couldn't find that. But what I did find was this even more impressive stat since 2009, There hasn't been an AFC Championship game without Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, and you guessed it, Mark Sanchez. Hey. (laughs) So it just puts in perspective how successful this Chiefs team has become. Um, Your thoughts, I guess, to turn a little first takey, I do want to ask you this question. Um, You know, obviously, the rumors about the Kelsey brothers retiring are both of them, not just uh, Jason, but Travis as well. If they lose this game, do you see that being it for him as a tight end? I see him coming back for another season. I think the only way he retires is if if Kansas City wins the Super Bowl.
2: I agree. And I'm going to go directly to what Travis Kelsey has said about stuff like this and kind of uh, parlay off of his own words. And this is going to be me paraphrasing. This is not a direct quote. Please don't take this as a direct quote. But he has essentially said, the only thing that motivates you to go out and win another Super Bowl more than winning the Super Bowl is winning the Super Bowl and then losing the Super Bowl. So I think the way you look at it, there's a, there's a solid possibility that, that yeah he does retire if if they win it. But uh, it's it's been made very clear in in a lot of what he has said publicly that the one he believes one of the greatest motivating factors in all of sports is losing that championship game. And and I don't think it's a situation where he would even remotely be willing to go out on that note. And yeah, the media, the media empire that's starting to grow around the, the Kelsey brothers is really impressive. Uh, But they've shown for the last two years that uh, they can still become these kinds of personalities uh, and these public figures while still Actively playing in the NFL. So, yeah, I think if Kansas City wins, I think there's a a really good chance that he potentially rides off into the sunset and becomes, you know, what the entirety of the sports Internet thought Pat McAfee was supposed to be. Uh, but I think... If if Kansas City doesn't win this game, then I think we're going to see Travis Kelsey back next year, and I think we're probably going to see a Travis Kelsey uh, that is going to be much improved from what we've seen this year, which is certainly, uh, to, to be fair, a, a solid season, but not what we've come to expect from him as the best tight end in the NFL.
3: So who wins this game, and the over-under is 44.5 points. Who wins, and do we see a over-combined 45 points scored? I like Baltimore,
2: and I like the under.
3: All right, very good. Moving on now to the second game to be played on Sunday in the NFC, and what a juxtaposition it is. Nobody has played in more conference championship games than the 49ers. This is their record-setting 19th performance. The Lions have been just twice to a conference championship game in the Super Bowl era. This is their first time in it uh, since 1991. San Francisco, because of that fact, you would assume, is favored by a whopping 7.5 points. The over-under in this game is set to 51 51- and a half. So, your thoughts on this game, Daniel? Lions, you know, uh, have gotten here not just because of the power of friendship, but also the fact that Jared Goff continues to be one of the best game managers of his generation and a pretty darn good defense, highlighted by one, Mr. Aiden Hutchinson. The 49ers on the other side are just a juggernaut. One of the best, in my opinion, the best coach team in the NFL, with some of the best players in the NFL, highlighted by one, Christian McCaffrey. So, you know, kind of copy paste your thoughts. On this 49ers-Lions matchup, that'll tip off kickoff, for those of you so inclined. 6.30 on Sunday evening.
2: I think this is an interesting conversation because I think just when it comes down to it, there's a variety of ways that San Francisco can win this game, and there's a very limited number of ways that Detroit can win this game, uh, which is why I tend to favor uh, the 49ers, but that doesn't mean I don't think Detroit can win this game either. Uh, I think there's a, a very specific path for Detroit, to absolutely win this game. And I think it starts with getting after Brock Purdy, and it starts with stopping the run. Uh, you have to make Brock Purdy beat you in this game. There have been other instances this year where teams said, we are going to make Brock Purdy beat us in this game, and he's come out and thrown three interceptions, and San Francisco was lost. So I think that's the biggest thing is – You can't get beat by Christian McCaffrey. You've got to stop the run. You have to make Brock Purdy throw the ball to other people, and you have to make Brock Purdy throw the ball down the field. And again, that's easier said than done with the weapons that this team has in the outside, plus George Kittle. Uh, But I think if you combine pressure on Brock Purdy, you get Aiden Hutchinson after him a lot in this game. Uh, We've seen it before. We've seen Brock Purdy panic, and we've seen Brock Purdy throw bad interceptions when he's got somebody bearing down on him. So I think it starts with the Detroit defense, and then on offense, you just can't make any stupid mistakes. And to this point, Jared Goff has not made a lot of stupid mistakes this year, uh, but that is a San Francisco defense that is built to make you make stupid mistakes. Uh, So I think, like I said, I favor San Francisco just because I think there are more paths to victory for them than there are for Detroit. But I think there's also a very clear set of circumstances uh, that if the Lions are able to follow that path that they they could absolutely win this game and be playing for a a world championship in a couple weeks.
3: And by the way, I didn't give my pick for the Ravens game. I think Baltimore's going to win. I think the Lions are going to win this game, and we're going to have ourselves a Ravens-Lions Super Bowl, just like we all thought at the beginning of the season. But your prediction for this Lions-49ers matchup, and the over-under set at 51.5 points.
2: I like San Francisco, and I like the under.
3: Mm, Taking the under in both games. I am. Setting yourself up for a weekend of boring football, sounds like to me. We've got a break to take when we return. Uh, from a doctor's office in an undisclosed location, Parker Stone has texted in his picks <laughs> so we will uh, give you Parker's picks for the weekend, when we return on the other side, we'd love to get your comments as well 304-263-4321 let us know, text line uh, who your favorites are, who you want to see in the football, or in the Super Bowl <laughs> and who you uh, think will be in the Super Bowl, forgive me, we'll be back after this, it's Panhandle Sports Live
0: It's Panhandle Sports Live. Follow our socials for updates on live broadcasts of local games.
3: Final segment for the week of Panhandle Sports Live. Don't forget, we've got high school basketball coming up tonight. Don't forget, you can text us 304-263-4321. We'd love to get your thoughts here in the dying minutes of this show. As I mentioned, Parker Stone is not here in body, but he is here in spirit because he sent in Parker's yeah, we're pitch. Yeah, well, that's
1: called beginners. Luck, 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 uh-huh. luck, 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 luck.
3: Yeah, I like to call this my lock of the day. Proven, it It's
2: never fails. Never failed once.
3: So Parker Stone, as we said, we wish him a speedy recovery as he's checking in from a doctor's office. And I'm sure he did not want me to share that information. But I will share his picks that he did text in. Uh, he wants the listeners out there to know because he followed this text up by saying, feed the good people. Uh, that he is betting on a Brandon Ayuk anytime touchdown this weekend. Lamar over on rushing. Heard the comment about the rushing touchdowns allowed uh, by the Kansas City Chiefs. Also, Zay Flowers under on receiving. Zay Flowers under on receiving. And Amon Ross St. Brown anytime touchdowns. So anytime touchdowns for Ayuk and St. Brown. The over on rushing for Lamar Jackson. And the under on receiving for Zay Flowers. Again, those NFL games coming up on Sunday and uh, we will certainly be breaking them down on Monday's show. Daniel Woods, we didn't get the opportunity to talk about this earlier. Got to take yesterday off, and that's why you and Clint Gage did a fantastic job of filling in on Panhandle Handle Live, which is coming up here at the top of the hour. You're not going to want to miss that as we lead off the show with Secretary of State Mac Warner. But I took Thursday off because we went to the district for some Wednesday night hoops, as your Wolves were able to pick up a victory against my beloved Washington Wizards, and it came at a cost some would say, or the start of something good for the district. Wes Unseld was fired as head coach of the Washington Wizards after that performance. He is no longer going to be coaching this team. Um, Instead, with the new regime, Washington Wizards uh, back to losing ways as they lost last night um, to the Jazz, I believe. So kind of your thoughts. Wes Unseld not getting the job done. 123-108 to uh, was the score of the loss last night. Uh, to Utah, and it was abundantly clear that it needed to happen. Brian Keefe, who was a longtime assistant at Oklahoma City, is the interim head coach. I don't expect him to be the head coach long term. Um, You got to see Wes Unseld up close and personal, and it was abundantly clear to me that it was an NBA coach that did not want to coach. Your thoughts?
2: He he didn't do a lot. Um, He just kind of stood there. just kind of hung out. Um, And, I mean, this was uh, kind of an illuminating story in The Athletic today um, that Uh, from Will Robbins, that in 37 of the 43 games this year, Wes Unseld trotted out the exact same starting lineup, and the other six uh, games were because one of those starters was injured. And and, oh, by the way, this team has won seven basketball games. Uh, At a certain point, if you've won seven basketball games, and you've played somewhere in the neighborhood of 45 of them, maybe Consider changing some things. <laughs> uh, but it, it appears that Wes Unseld Jr. did not feel like that was necessary. Uh, and therefore, he is no longer employed by the Washington... Well, he is employed by the Washington Wizards organization. He's employed by Monumental Basketball, uh, but has been moved into an advisory role in the front office. And as you said, Brian Keefe uh, will be the head coach, it appears, for the remainder of the regular season. Um, but I-, I think this is one of the things... Uh, that you often see in the NF in the NBA, I should say, when you have guys that are not necessarily too experienced as head coaches is uh, you get guys that have the X's and O's and, and have the, the, the tactical ability to come in and, and get the job done. Uh, but the adjustments and the, the, the bench game and and that kind of thing is where these guys have shortcomings. And a lot of times you get, these assistants that come in and look like they're going to be slam dunk successes as head coaches. And for one reason or another, they just can't get it straightened out when it comes to the in game adjustments. And they, they burn out in a couple of years. And I think that's what happened here.
3: Well, I think it comes down to this. You look at the wizards as a whole, and that athletic article did point out that, you know, this is a, a shorthanded roster specifically at the center position. It's a roster that doesn't possess a lot of talent. There was a lot of expectations for Jordan Poole coming into the season that just have not been met. It simply comes down to this. You look at the roster, and it's been cool to see kind of the resurgence of Marvin Bagley, who they basically got for free. This team has a budding star and Denny Avdia. We got to see firsthand. He played very well. Kyle Kuzma is one of the best. How would I put this? He's one of the best third stars in the NBA. Kyle
2: Kuzma is one of the best At the things that Kyle Kuzma does. Yeah,
3: and he's a very good player. And Bilal Kulabali, while he didn't play well in the game that we saw, you can see there that there's a lengthy wing defender that has the ability to shoot the ball consistently long-term. That's kind of it. I mean, Tyus Jones is a good player. He's probably going to get traded. Um, Daniel Gafford is a good player, but I don't think he's going to be around the next time this team's competitive. We've talked a lot off the air, Daniel, about this upcoming NBA draft. We saw Cher, Alex Sar, Topic... I don't know, Reed Shepard. I, I, I've i said several times that I'm a Rob Dillingham fan. Um, I wasn't at first, but, you know, I'm a sucker for speedy Kentucky guards. Here's what I'll say. Your boy, Kyle Filipowski, um, what I'll say is this. Yes, I understand that it is not a draft that boasts of Victor Wimbanyama. With that said, if the Wizards don't get this pick right, if the Wizards take another Troy Brown Jr., then this organization is going to be stuck at its current level of disappointment for the other next five or six years. If... This team is going to go out and get a a rookie that can compete right away. And I'm not saying go out and get yourself the rookie of the year. Go out and get yourself the next Anthony Edwards like the Timberwolves were able to do when they had the first pick in the draft. But a consistent, well above average, established player out of this draft class that will go dividends into the future for them wanting to be competitive. If you whiff on another pick, I'll go ahead, I guess, and say it. I don't want to end the show on a depressing note. We'll, We'll talk about some more positive things here in a second. But my bold take, if you miss on this draft pick, you will not play in a playoff series at minimum until 2028 because that's the state of this current roster. you got to get this one right. You're going to be picking in the top three. got to get this one right.
2: I agree. And I think what stands out to me with this team is you have to, at some point, start drafting guys that are going to raise your floor. Mm. And, I mean, Bilal Koulibaly is an upside pick – He's uh, a guy for the future, uh, but I think a lot of times uh, you've what you've missed on in the draft, particularly with Tommy Shepard in charge, was you were either taking a big swing on an upside guy, and it looks like it's probably going to work out for Bilal Koulibaly. Uh, a similar pick to that is Denny Avdia. That's taken a couple of years, uh, but it looks like he is really turning a corner this season uh, with well, what then he does. It
3: becomes a concern that, I, I guess, who, in your opinion, are the top three players in this? It's Reese it's Sar, and Topic, right? Are those the top Ron, three players? Ron
2: Holland's probably fallen out of that mix.
3: I guess my concern is I agree with you. I like, Like I just said, I want them to go out and get a player that can establish themselves, not as a superstar, but as a consistent contributor. But if those are the top three players, those are all lottery picks. Those are all foreign players that you don't necessarily know how high their floor can be. So that just is another thing that encapsulates why this is such a bad draft class.
2: No, I agree. I I absolutely agree. Uh, But I I think when you come down and you look at it, uh, you've got to just take somebody that's going to make you better and – I have a lot of questions about who in this draft is going to do that right away. I think, honestly, if you're a team like the Wizards, I would rather be picking four, five, six than I would one, two, three, because then you're in the mix for a guy like Reed Shepard. That, yeah, is he going to be an all star someday? Probably not. But is he going to come in and run your second unit as a rookie and average 10 points, four rebounds, and four assists and shoot 40% from three by the time he's in his third year in the league? Yeah. Uh, so uh, I'm I'm not sure there are upside swings in this draft, and I have a lot of questions about a lot of them. I, I think if you're picking in that top three, and you want somebody that's going to make an immediate impact, I think Alex Sar is your guy. But when it comes down to it, he's not going to be a complete product. On day one, he's going to come in. He's going to make an impact as a rim runner. He's going to make an impact as a shot blocker. Uh, but the skilled things you see him doing uh, in the NBL right now, he's not going to be doing in the NBA right away. So I, I think if today I'm the Washington Wizards, I'm picking somewhere in the top three. I want Alex Sar to be there when I'm picking on. I'm picking somebody off the board, uh, but I need to be also ready to understand that. He's probably not an upgrade over Daniel Gafford in year one. Uh, year five? Absolutely. Uh, but I- I'm I'm just looking for somebody that's going to be that combination of upside and floor uh, right away.
3: Well, that's going to do it for us on this edition of Panhandle Sports Live. Thank you for making this part of your Friday morning. You can catch this show podcasted. Coming up here in just a couple of moments on our Panhandle News Network Spotify page, we've got the award-winning Panhandle Live, another edition of myself and Clint Gage holding it down Mac Warner will lead us uh, lead off the show I should say the West Virginia Secretary of State going to be a fun conversation to be had and of course we've got Metro News Talk Line coming your way at 10.06 Daniel Woods Parker Stone up in Luke Wiggs we'll talk to you on Monday that's life that's life that's what
1: all the people say you're riding high
3: in April shot down in May